It's race week. We've been waiting months to be able to say those words. We are just a couple of days away from the first race of the 2023 season in Bahrain. Testing has concluded and everyone is already crowning Max Verstappen the 2023 champion. But what about Fernando Alonso? All this and more on Unlapped. Katie George, Lawrence Edmondson, and Nate Saunders. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, like this video, leave us a comment, and don't forget to subscribe to ESPN for more F1 content. And if you're listening, hit us with a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Gentlemen, it's so good to see you. I have been waiting for this all week because I just want to hear what has been going on in Bahrain. Chirpy little smoke detector we got going on in Lawrence's hotel room. A little bit of a spotty audio and Wi-Fi situation as well because they are on the ground in their hotels in Bahrain. Lawrence, tell me everything. Yeah, you may have just heard it. That was uh, my smoke alarm, which just before I started recording and had everything set up, uh, it decided to start going off. I think it's running out of, of battery. Um, but yeah, it's all part of the um, yeah the environment here. This is this where we are in Bahrain. We've just moved to a different hotel from where we were before. We've been here for, yeah, I guess about a, a week now, just over a week, um, covering testing and then mm-hmm. trying to figure out from all the data that we got from testing Who's fast? Who isn't? Who's in trouble? Who looks like they could? Uh, there it is. That was the beep. If you heard it, uh, who, who who will spring a surprise podium uh, at the first race? And so, yeah, there, there's a lot to get get into. A, a lot of exciting kind of storylines to follow. And um, I think right now, most most teams are cautiously optimistic, but there's a couple which um, know they're in a bit of trouble. So, yeah, plenty plenty to get into later on. Yeah, my first time in Bahrain. I, I don't. Don't have anything beeping in my hotel room so i'm in a good spot but um good. my first time in bahrain i've actually never done either bahrain or a first race of the season before so i've done testing but usually at this point i've gone home and covered from the ground so that kind of anticipation and that excitement being on the ground for the first race is pretty palpable i'm really excited about it so um and yeah just exactly as lawrence mentioned this is the time of year where i kept joking to people like who worked for teams i was like let me just let me just read into your body language quickly because there's so much talk about you can tell who who's who's good and who's not, like Lawrence said, and that is true. And you know, there were some pe- some people leaving with um some slumped shoulders on on Saturday yeah. last week. So yeah, it's been great being back, and um it does feel like we were barely you know we were barely just finishing racing in in Abu Dhabi last year. But you know, I think that that's kind of the that's partly because you know we had the Red Bull launch in New York, and um yeah, we just fly straight back into it now. So um yeah, hopefully it's not as doom and gloom as as maybe other people are saying, but we'll see. We'll get into that, won't we? That's kind of the, that's kind of the point of this. Now we'll either dispel that doom and gloom, or we'll just confirm it. Yeah, let's let's do it. Uh, did you have to bribe Lawrence though to be on the ground with them for the first race of the season this year? Yeah, I couldn't disclose the amount, but you know, mm. no comment. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, let's do it. Let's dive into testing. The top story was, of course, Red Bull Lawrence. They looked insanely confident, fast. The entire team, both drivers and Christian Horner, seemed very, very pleased with their testing. Is that what you saw as well? It went incredibly smoothly. And I think the big thing was that they put the car on the ground and within the first day, they were able to extract performance from it. We saw some of the other teams work through a lot of different setup variables, variables, which Red Bull, of course, did. But no matter where they put that car, it seemed to be relatively quick. And so over short performance runs where they take a bit of fuel out, they still have a fair bit in there, uh, which, of course, slows the lap time slightly. But from those runs, they were the fastest uh, by the end mm-hmm. of testing. Sergio Perez set the fastest time on the final evening. And then on the long runs as well, where they tried to simulate a little bit how the car 
will um, go in the race and how it will treat its tyres, all these incredibly important things for winning Grand Prix. Well, they were pretty quick with that as well. So it's that level of confidence. Also, the, the car, um, it was, it is an evolution of last year's car, but a lot of the concepts are the same, which kind of tells you that they got it right the first time round. And of course, when you're building a Formula One car, that's the best approach to have because then you just keep adding performance more and more and more each year, each upgrade package. And so they almost certainly haven't got lost over the winter and they do go into the first race in Bahrain absolutely as a team to beat. It felt a bit like some of the Mercedes years, didn't it, in terms of preseason testing when, you know, there were a lot of interesting stories and it was just clear, like, you know, mm -hmm. everything that was out in front, you know, Ferrari was saying it, Mercedes was saying it from the very first minute we started testing. It was like, that's the car to beat this year. So we'll see. I mean, obviously it's a long season to develop, but going into the year, I don't think this is how we used to feel about kind of some of Lewis Hamilton's seasons going into those when he was dominating. It was like clearly there in front, you know, can they, can they, can and can anyone else pull that back? And if you compare 12 months ago, Ferrari just came out of testing in a much better place. Uh, I don't think they had a bad testing, but I mean, relative to Red Bull, you know, they, it felt sure. like they were really, really close to them. Whereas this time, maybe, I don't think they've maybe fallen off, but I think Red Bull have just maintained that advantage out in front. So to that point then, how far is the gap? How much further ahead is Red Bull compared to everybody else right now? That's the really big question. And we won't know for certain until we get to qualifying. That's the boring mm -hmm. answer. But um, doing a bit of speculation and kind of looking into the times and trying try, try to understand who's quick and, and, and not on different tyres at different times of the day. And it looks like about 0.3 seconds that Red Bull has over Ferrari, um, possibly more over Mercedes. And then Aston Martin also seems to be very close to Mercedes, perhaps, according to some people, even ahead. So um, that's a pretty big gap. You know, 0.3 of a second is, is a lot. And the other thing that we notice in the race, again, to go back to how they look after tyres, which is so important for getting the strategy right. Well, the Red Bull seems to be able to just look after its tyres, hit consistent times throughout a long run with heavy fuel. The Ferrari tended to lose performance throughout the run, which was a suggestion that the tyres were uh, starting to degrade and have problems. It may be that Ferrari were just experimented with some kind of slightly extreme setups which hurt the tires in ways but i don't know i i feel like everything that red bull did it just seemed to work and everything that maybe ferrari and mercedes did to try and catch up and make the difference had some kind of negative side effects so uh i think that's what we're looking at but yeah um mm -hmm. we we never quite know until we get into qualifying and the other thing we should say is that we've only had testing at one circuit um sure. of course it is the circuit that has the first race but then if you go to saudi arabia which is the second race australia again very very different circuit again uh you could get different results so we're not saying the championship is over before it's even begun but we mm -hmm. are saying the rebel are going in uh with a big target on them but probably a target that's going to get smaller and smaller and smaller throughout the race for the other teams really quickly before we move on to the other teams testing lawrence are they riding the rear end of the car lower than we've seen yeah, I, I saw a story around that um, from Automotor and Sport. Uh, they got a kind of source from Mercedes suggesting that Red Bull are doing that. Um, it's impossible to tell from trackside. We're talking mm -hmm. millimetres, and uh, I wasn't able to get close enough to go measure it. Get your um, measuring stick out. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, potentially. And it could just be that, uh, you know, again, the teams run through different ride height settings. That's part of what testing is, ride height settings, wing mm. levels, all sorts of stuff, just trying to find um, the place where the car is offering the most performance, trying to find the point at which you start to induce the bouncing and porpoising that we were talking about yeah. so much last year. Um, so it may just be the case the Red Bull 
are able to kind of get a little bit closer. But the one thing I will say is that if you can run the car lower, you are going to extract more downforce uh, and ultimately performance uh, from the underfloor of the car. And so if they are able to do that, if that story is correct, uh, then that's probably quite worrying for everyone else. I would think so. Nate, you had mentioned Ferrari a little bit ago. Overall testing seemed to go well for the team. Uh, their team principal, new team principal, Fred Visser, uh, had some interesting comments that they're not going to pick a number one driver at the start. Now, later on in the season, if somebody is significantly higher in the standings and they'll act accordingly, what do you make of that between Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think, to be honest with you, I think from his position coming in when he has and, and you know, trying to rebuild that team, I think he has to kind of, he has to be on the fence about that question. So. And if you look at Ferrari, yeah, if you look at Ferrari over the past couple of seasons, Charles has been the better performer in terms of the wins he's had. But I think Carlos has been good enough that you could imagine at this point in the season that he could go in and he could, you know, maybe be the better of the two early on. He could, you know, if, if there's a championship chance, maybe he can get in there. I would always back Charles Leclerc just on a on a personal level in terms of who's gonna who's gonna be the better Ferrari driver over the season. Um but I think it's really presumptive of Ferrari. If he, I think if he'd come out and said, yeah, we're backing one driver over the other, you know, it's a massive, it, it, you know. Be even bigger story, right? Yeah. And so I think a lot of fans were like, how can they not back one over the other? But I don't see how he could have ever come out and said said either of those things. And I think that the smart thing to do um, is to, you know, is to probably back the lead car. You know, one of the things that Mercedes, that Ferrari did so badly last year at a few races was they didn't seem to back the car that was in the best position. And that seems to be the best way to to run strategy. Now, whether that is always Charles Leclerc, that's a different matter. Um, but yeah, I think Ferrari, I, and I think Ferrari bosses always seem to get that question a bit more than anyone else because Ferrari are kind of so synonymous with team orders just over the years. So I think that the Italian press especially love to throw that at, at whoever is kind of the Ferrari boss. Um, and I'm always just kind of like, well, what's he going to say? He's not going to say, yeah, we only, we, you know, we only think Charles can win the title this year because you know you basically got civil war from the very beginning of the of his season there. But I think what will happen is is if let's say Ferrari can have a title challenge this year or next, mm -hmm. naturally the team will just focus towards the other driver. I think that's the best way to run a team. And if you're the second driver there, you understand it because you think, well, if I'd wanted to, you know, this favoritism from second half of the season onwards, I should have been in the title fight. So that's the best way to do it. And I think Fred Vasseur, he seems like quite a, a straight up guy as well. You know, he says it how it is. So, you know, if they had been backing someone secretly, I think he probably would have just said it. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Normally speaking on this podcast, we hit Red Bull, Ferrari, 
and then we discuss Mercedes. But I'm not going to do that on today's show because Aston Martin has all kinds of hype after testing. Lawrence, is it warranted or not? Um, it's yeah, it is kind of warranted. I mean, it, it isn't so far that we're talking about a team that was at the back of the midfield, certainly at the start of last year, really towards mm-hmm. the back of the grid. They made good progress last year, and then they've made another significant step this year. So in my ranking, I had them fourth behind the big three, but I also had them close to them, uh, which is not something that I expected going in, in, into this season. So um, it looks good. And a lot of the hype is based around a race simulation towards the end of the final day of testing. Uh, for people that aren't used to following testing, a race simulation kind of is what it says on the tin that teams will put a race amount of fuel in the car and they'll go through exactly the process of what they would do in a race to the point that they even do a kind of warm-up lap they go out uh, do some burnouts on the way to the end of the pit lane and then they do their race start from there and then they do the 57 laps of the Bahrain Grand Prix with full race pit stops mm-hmm. in between to change tires uh, to simulate exactly what it's like being in a race now Alonso did that Fernando Alonso did that on the final day in the evening and his times were very impressive they were quicker than pretty much anybody else who had attempted a race simulation throughout the whole week so you think wow you know if you were to put them all against each other aston martin could go and win however he also had the very best of the track conditions and no one else really went out and attempted the same thing at the same time of day that fernando did so if you also look at some of the other teams and how much performance they gained on that final evening uh partly because um in bahrain they test after the sunset so the sun goes down the track cools the floodlights come on so they can still see where they're going and um when they're out there in, in those temperatures, it's a lot easier on the tyres, so they can push harder on the tyres, extract more performance from them. Uh, there's By that stage of testing the final evening, there's a lot more rubber that's been left on the track from all the other drivers going around. And at that particular time, there were lots of drivers going around doing uh, performance-style runs, so on very soft tyres, which leave even more rubber on the track. So the conditions were absolutely perfect. Uh, Fernando Alonso's times were very good, but we expect that of Fernando Alonso. He's a two-time world champion. He's arguably one of the top drivers on the grid. So when you put it all together and you try and understand exactly what it all meant yes it was quick yes it was probably quicker than anyone expected from Aston Martin going into testing but is it enough to challenge the top three like when I was weighing it up I felt maybe not it's I mean I'm fully on board with uh the Fernando Alonso hype train at this point I mean (laughs) I I I, um I'm not gonna I think some people are sort of saying, you know, that they could challenge third or season, maybe second or season. We don't know yet, you know, and I think Lawrence is right to caveat a lot of that. But I think this is such a great situation for Formula One because for years and years and years, we've wanted Fernando Alonso to be in a car where he can kind of at least compete. I think at Alpine, he occasionally had that, but it was more of a midfield car, you know, it kind of sat there as best of the rest. And if this car is up there, you know, we have all of these different things. I mean, you'll, you'll have him and Lewis going wheel to wheel. You know, I think the Verstappen will probably be up the road, but maybe he can go and, you know, have a have kind of a bite at the Ferrari drivers every so often. And I think it's really going to show people how good he is. And I think if Max is dominating early in the season, it could actually turn out to be a really great storyline. You know, Fernando's up there, you know, challenging for some podiums and stuff like that. One thing that was pretty interesting, actually, that Fernando did say was that um, obviously we haven't seen Lance Stroll uh, in that car he's he's missed preseason testing because what we believe is a fractured wrist from a from a bicycle accident but it's not been confirmed exactly what it is but he said the one thing the team lacked from their preseason was the ability to compare the car to last year obviously lance has that reference point he didn't have that he just tested the car in abu dhabi at the end of the season so he said that was one thing that he felt the team was lacking coming out of the season and he suggested that actually it means aston martin does have quite a lot of progress it can make 
you know, in the coming weeks. So I think that everything he said was pretty positive. And I think, you know, when, when rival teams are kind of saying, yeah, this car here looks really quick, you kind of sit up and listen and that's what was happening. Um, so, yeah, you know, I don't think we're going to have a situation where Alonso's a dark horse for the championship. But what it does mean, you know, if this car is where it is, Alonso signed a three-year deal to come back and win a championship. If yeah. they've jumped from, from what was it, seventh that they finished last year, all the way up to kind of that top three, if they've turned that top three into a top four, even if they've turned it into a top 3.5 and they're there at some circuits, there are others, suddenly you're like, well, that's the baseline for the next two years of development for this car. So it'd be a super, super awesome storyline for formula one and anybody even if you you know like or like or loathe fernando yeah. alonso on track he's one of the i think he's i put him up there with lewis and max i think it's lewis max fernando and then maybe charles is just kind of charles and george are just kind of creeping up into that top tier but they need to show a bit more to be up there fernando's mega so if if this is what we think it might be then it's a great story for formula one and um yeah, I'm I'm excited. I mean, that to be honest with you, coming out of testing was the thing I was most excited about. I thought if if we really do have him up there, then you know maybe there is life in this championship. Yeah, maybe there is a lot to be excited about. Nate's on the train, Alonzo Mania. He's all for 100%. it. Hundred percent. I I bought all my tickets. I've bought twenty three tickets for the year. <laughs> no refunds. I love it. I love it. Yes, massive gains for Aston Martin. Massive gains for Mercedes. I'd love to get your thoughts because. It looked like things were going well. And then maybe one of the most ominous quotes that came out of testing was Lewis saying, you know, we realize we have a mountain to climb, Lawrence. So where would you rank Mercedes and the job that they did during testing? Yeah, I had them off the top two teams, so off Red Bull and Ferrari, and then with Aston Martin uh, seemingly pretty close. Um they had a pretty mixed three days. So mm -hmm. it started out and the good news on the first day was that they weren't suffering from the porpoising, the bouncing uh, that they had last year and that really just hindered their development early on in the season last year as they had to try and find solutions for that. It seems that a combination of what they learned and then also the changes to the rules which have been designed to stop these cars bouncing up and down uh, due to the underfloor aerodynamics have worked and therefore the car is not doing that. Now that's all well and good, but there were still some handling difficulties that the drivers were experiencing, uh, a lack of balance. So when we talk about whether the car is understeering, so they turn into a corner and the car doesn't go where the driver is hoping it to go, it tends to go forward, or oversteer, which is where you see the cars mm. drift sideways and kind of get these big slides on. We saw some remarkable footage of Lewis Hamilton sliding almost like a rally car from corner to corner. Um, really just, you know, quite, quite beautiful to watch, but obviously not quick. <laughs> Uh, for a Formula One car. And so that was concerning. And on the second day, they had all sorts of issues, plus a hydraulic issue uh, towards the end of the day, which stopped George Russell on track, and they lost about two hours of testing as a result of that. So the second day was a disaster. And at that point, it really did look like they were in big trouble. Meanwhile, Aston Martin going fairly well in the background. Third day, they did a lot of work overnight. They sent all the data back to the factory where they ran the simulator and just tried to understand what can we do with the setup to just get this car handling normally in, in a comfortable mm -hmm. place for the drivers. And they eventually found that. Uh, so on the final day, there was a few, there were a few more signs for optimism. And that's why I eventually put them ahead of Aston Martin in okay. my order, because uh, there were a few signs. If you read between the lines of long runs that the car wasn't actually too bad, but look, you know, for a team like Mercedes, that's won eight titles in a row, eight constructors titles, seven drivers titles uh, very recently, 
being third fastest, you know, struggling with issues and just about getting there and getting ahead of a midfield team like Aston Martin is not enough. That's not where they want to be. And so that's why when Lewis said that, that they have a mountains climb, it's in reference to their expectations, which is going into these tests and having a car from day one that is behaving itself and then building the performance and then potentially going and win first race. It doesn't look like they're there. And so that's a concern. But Look, these things change over time. With some conversations I had uh, down at Mercedes, you know, they felt like, okay, the, you know, the car's there, that there is some performance. It's lacking compared to Red Bull. They're, they're not shying away from that at all. But um, at least there's potentially a, a stable platform on which they can build, which is exactly what they didn't have last year. Yeah. So not where they want to be, but compared to 12 months ago, uh, better. <laughs> some improvement. Speaking of not being where you want to be, Nate, what the hell has gone on at McLaren? Oh, I know. It's just just when you think maybe things are turning a corner, you know, a year, year and a half ago, they've obviously hit some issues. And I've got to say, I mean, I think McLaren have been quite lucky. They've come out of that winter test. It was pretty bad. I mean, I think they, they clearly had the worst one. And I think people are so distracted maybe by the Alonso thing. Maybe there's been quite a lot of talk about Mercedes not having the best test ever. There wasn't a huge amount of focus on McLaren and that also could be because they were pretty frank about how bad it was they didn't try and dress mm-hmm. it up they said yeah we've missed development targets over the winter so you know even even when we saw them launch the car they said this this car you're looking at now we're not happy with it you know we want you know this this is a long way from where we thought it should be so clearly there's been a there's been an effort at McLaren to really prepare people for how bad the start of the season is going to be I'm not too worried about McLaren, I've got to be honest. I think that last year showed that they can come back from a pretty rough situation. You know, they obviously had the brake issues this time last year in Bahrain. They had a terrible time in Bahrain. By the end of the season, they were regularly fighting Alpine in that battle for fourth. And let's face it, if Ricardo had had the form that, you know, people wanted him to have, they probably could have won that fight. So we'll see what happens there. And it, it's always worrying when a team admits of missed development targets over the winter. Um, obviously, they've got a whole new... Um, Structure there now with with Andreas Stella there. Andreas Seidel's gone. I spoke to briefly spoke to Zach Brown yesterday, um, just between the tests. Just asked him how he's feeling, and he was like pretty despondent from the test. But he said it's a great opportunity for the team to kind of show, um, you know, show what they can do over the season. So pretty deflating. You know, you look at where McLaren is. You look at a team like Aston Martin potentially making those gains. That's something that McLaren's not been able to do this entire kind of i mean the entire time i've been working in formula one really mclaren has dropped out of that top three and has never really been able to get back in there so i think a more embarrassing thing for them one there's one thing building a bad car but it's another thing if a, a team like aston martin and look aston martin spending a lot of money but you know you yeah. compare aston martin in f1 terms to mclaren if you're jumped by them and they're suddenly you know making a fight with those top guys could be a really really difficult season um obviously piastri's coming in tough situation for him to be in um so yeah just 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 really bad and and you could tell everyone in the team was kind of just like you know, there's that meme from i forget which grand theft auto game it is but it's behind him and he's just going and he's, he's like oh here we go again i f- feel like that's what the the mood was at mclaren um and yeah it's just i don't know at this point it's i don't want to say it's getting repetitive that's the wrong word but you just at one point you're like are you guys you know when is this gonna turn around because they just they don't seem to come out of seasons in the best way at the moment and um you've got to be worried about that you know um so yeah lando i'm not sure how how impressed lando was with the whole thing he's been in this situation before but i think this could be a year where he starts you know scrutinizing that contract and looking looking at exactly <laughs> exactly how how tied down he is to it because you know you can't you can't sit in that position for too long if you want to win championships no and he, i think we all agree he's 
unbelievably talented. And if he has the right equipment and car, I think that he could be on podiums regularly. I, I was really looking forward to seeing Oscar Piastri in the McLaren just because of everything that happened last season with the infamous tweet that he sent out. And now I'm not so much looking forward to it. I'm not excited because they are going to be starting on the back foot. But I guess, Lawrence, this will show us a lot about him as a young racing driver if he's got a car that clearly is not great or what not meeting the expectations that they had going in and he's still able to maybe get in the points or he's still able to perform well, I guess that could, you know, show some optimism for his future in the sport. Yeah, certainly if, um, if the pressure is off slightly, I mean, a lot of drivers, a lot of the best drivers came in at the back of the grid because of that exact thing that you have a little bit less pressure. So if he can, if he's not getting the results and he can say, well, the car isn't very good, then mm -hmm. that does relieve some of the pressure. My concern is that if, um, the car is just very difficult to drive. Like, you know, previous McLarens, we've seen that that has been the case when Daniel Ricciardo went there. We know Daniel Ricciardo is a very good driver. He had been the previous year before he joined McLaren in the Renault. And yet he went to McLaren. He just couldn't get his head around it. So that's my slight concern with Piastri is that he could be going into a position where he's got a very difficult car to drive that Lando Norris has a better understanding of because he's had, you know, these years of experience driving difficult cars at McLaren. And Oscar's got to learn from from. The, the very basics and, and and build it up. I guess the only positive to that is that he doesn't really know any different. So he's not in the sure. Daniel situation where you're coming from kind of expectations of how a car handles and then having something different. Uh, he's going in there and, and it's going to be what it's going to be. The big thing for McLaren is uh, updates. So upgrades to the car. Uh, they're looking, I think, to Baku as, as a big one, uh, which will be round four. In a way, they're lucky that the Chinese Grand Prix wasn't replaced with anything else. So there's that big gap because that gives them a little bit of extra time to work on the development of the car. They will have learned a lot of lessons from testing. They said that they had. Uh, they've pinpointed what's wrong with it, which is essentially a lack of aerodynamic efficiency. And when we talk about aerodynamic efficiency, we're basically talking how much downforce you have on the car versus how much drag it creates. So anyone can stick huge wings on the car and get lots of downforce, but it means if it means you're going very slow on the straight, then you're not going to get a good lap time. So uh, that's where um, they knew from basically pre-launch that, the car wasn't hitting the targets in that area. And they think they know how to potentially resolve that and bring an upgrade around back in time uh, to, to help them go forward. Now, if that doesn't work, that, that, that that's a concern. But I think the first three races, you know, they're, they're going to look at it. Any points, uh, any kind of Q3 appearances in qualifying is going to be a bonus. And actually, it's going to make the drivers look like heroes if they get there uh, because the expectations have been set, though. But... Um, we, we, you know, we do see this with teams occasionally, you know, that they, they drop the ball. As Nate said, we've seen it a number of times with McLaren in the past as well. Um, but, uh, the hope is that there will be a quick fix if there's any such thing in F1, but there will be some kind of quick fix that they can then apply and start to be competitive again. Because like you mentioned, Katie, look at their rivals, uh, Aston Martin, Alpine, I don't see at the moment based on testing, making a huge step backwards compared to where they were last year. And they beat McLaren over the course of the year. Mm -hmm. So uh, they've got some tough rivals there. So if they if they don't sort it out soon, they're looking at a best result of six. And we know that uh, McLaren, a team like McLaren, their, their worst result they were targeting was fourth. You know, they wanted fourth and a close gap to third. So, uh, yeah, a lot on a lot on their plate to try and resolve over the next few races. And <clears throat> such a big year for them away from the track as well, because this is the year that they're finishing that wind tunnel. And so there's been mm -hmm. so much you know, put on that about what it means to them long term. So look, 
that's obviously going to be a huge boon for them going forward, a huge bonus, a, a huge boost of what they can do. But if you take a huge step back the year that you finally get that wind tunnel online and you know, you can start developing that 24, 25 car, then you know it, you just wonder, you're like, man, it's like one step forward, two steps back. So that's that. I think that's going to be another storyline this season that's going to be big is just how McLaren get on. Let's quickly hit Alpine, Alphas, Haas, and Williams. Just quick takeaways from those teams in their testing going into the first Grand Prix of the season. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Well, as I mentioned, I think Alpine are actually in a pretty good place. They, they have this weird thing where they never show us like what the car looks like in performance. They never go out and put very soft tires on it and low fuel. Uh, but that is consistent with, you know, the, the last several years of, of, of their testing program. They just have a different way of trying to understand the car and, and therefore maximize performance when it counts. So I'm mm-hmm. not too worried about them, despite uh, their lap times not looking particularly impressive. Um, and then I think another team that, that looked good from that pack is Alfa Romeo. Uh, they had a fairly problem-free uh three days although they did have a a slight issue on the final day but compared to where they were last year where they were constantly having um reliability issues hopefully that's a step and it doesn't seem like they've had to sacrifice any performance as a result so uh yeah those two teams are are looking good i'll let i'll let nate comment on the other two and give us updates from house and williams (laughs) and alpha tower house um yeah i think i I completely agree about those two I, i think i I had a really good feeling about Haas coming away from the test. Um, Gunther Steiner said it was, you know, the most kind of flawless F1 test. I think he was talking more generally because, you know, reliability was so good across the test, but he said that was the case for us. You know, they you were so used to Haas having kind of drama around them, whether, you know, obviously 12 months ago, they, you know, they'd got rid of a driver, they'd got rid of a title sponsor. This year, they, you know, they've got these two experienced guys in the car now. Um, you know, their, their runs all seem to go very well. They didn't have any major stoppages or major problems. Mm-hmm. Kevin Magnuson tweeted, he said, usually, he said, every single time I've gone testing, you know, whether it's for Haas, whether it's for any other team, there's been some issue. And he said, this year, everything we wanted to do across both, all three days, across both drivers, we did everything. So for them going into this season, that's fantastic. Um, and I think that, I think this year, you, you know, one thing that's going to be key for them is the fact they have, Magnussen, we we know what he's about, and they're bringing Hulkenberg back as well. And Hulkenberg's got some great pedigree behind him in terms of his experience. So if that car's competitive, I'm really excited about them. Um, yeah, and AlphaTauri and Williams, hard to say, but it's pretty obvious they're going to be at the back. But Williams seems to be in a much better place. They seem, you know, they they know the position they're in, and I think they had a you know more encouraging test. It seems like maybe they've cut that gap. Maybe that maybe the midfield is now just everybody from fourth down. That might be. <laughs> You know, where we're at come you know come later in the year yeah we'll definitely see thank you both for putting a bow on testing let's spin it forward to the actual grand prix as you guys look at it all the information the data that you have going into this what are you most looking forward to what are we anticipating is this just going to be red bull's deal and everything else well, um if i'm being completely I honest i okay. i think it it, it is going to be uh a a rebel victory but you know this is the thing about formula one isn't it we can go through all the data we can go through trying to pick out 
all the fast laps in in testing and and the long runs and what they mean and then it can all, all, all turn around on the night in this you know in the sense uh, for the Bahrain Grand Prix so um I'm hoping we get some surprises up and down up and down the grid uh it's and, and like I said before it is an unusual circuit so just because we have a so let's say a dominant Red Bull victory here doesn't mean that's going to be the case throughout the year don't forget that this time last year Ferrari were the star performers coming out mm-hmm. of testing. They went and won the first race. Uh, after three races, Charles Leclerc had a massive lead in the Drivers' Championship, and ultimately it all turned around. So, um, you know, it, it, it can change over time. Just because we have a one-sided race in Bahrain doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. But you have to say, considering how impressive Red Bull were, and, and this is the thing, you know, Red Bull don't tend to get it wrong as well. Nate and I were talking about this earlier in the week, that if we had it the other way around, where it looked like the Ferrari had the pace and the Red Bull was catching up, then that would make for a really exciting dynamic because we know that Ferrari on a number of occasions last year struggled with strategy, struggled with reliability, dropped points. So if they had a fast car that were dropping points, it'd be great. And Red Bull, uh, you expect to be immaculate in races. But look, these things do change sometimes. Uh, Ferrari have certainly tried to address that. They made some changes to their pit wall as well going into this first race, which uh, previously they told us they weren't going to do. So clearly Fred Vasseur has got himself there he's looked at mm-hmm. what went wrong last year and he's not afraid of making changes so uh if there's a sign of hope for ferrari uh fans that they will be able to challenge red bull over the course of this year it's that um they have a new boss in there who's clearly willing to make change if he thinks they they need to make it it's getting some ptsd there when lawrence mentioned leclerc's big title lead last year yeah i mean that seems i can't believe i still can't believe he lost you know he didn't win the championship that year but um yeah i think um I think it's going to be important for fans to just kind of temper their expectations after the first race because, you know, we, we, we also we have such a long Formula One season now, you know, um, and and one thing I wrote today, we we had, you know, um, everything, you know, your guide to everything you need to know about the season on ESPN.com. And um, I said that even though Max does look like favorite right now, the pace is ominous. Let's not forget about that wind tunnel penalty that Red Bull have later in the year. They have the least amount of wind tunnel time Fine. anyway. They've got that penalty. So if Ferrari and Mercedes, you know, if especially Ferrari, if they're in a good spot in terms of they're not too far away, if they can outdevelop Red Bull during the season, if they can keep, if they can just make sure Max doesn't completely, you know, obliterate them early on in those in that point standings, then it might get interesting later in the year. Um, and we saw last season the, the issue that Ferrari had was that they just did not win after the summer break, you know, and Max just mm-hmm. ran away with it. So if they can just keep him honest, if they can just, you know, stack up some wins when the car maybe isn't the best. Then I'm going to keep some hope that maybe we can see the title going into the latter part of the of the season. Um, but yeah, it, Bahrain. If Max wins it by 50 <laughs> seconds, it's going to be very difficult next week for us to say that. But I think you know it's worth it's worth keeping that in mind. Um, but yeah, in terms of what I'm looking forward to most, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but Fernando, I'm 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 already backing him for a podium. Lawrence has had to calm me down a few times. I'm like I'm, I'm all in on this, mate. I'm all in. Um, but uh, I think it's going to be—it's just going to be great, and hopefully we can we can see some really cool wheel-to-wheel racing because Bahrain actually has, has thrown up some really great mm-hmm. races in the past, um, and yeah, so hopefully we get more of that this time. We had mentioned Oscar Piastri, but we're going to see Nick DeVries, Logan Sargent, and then Felipe Drogovic, who's in for Lance Stroll. So a lot of new faces on the grid. Which new driver, Lawrence, are you most excited to watch this weekend? Well, I think in terms of who's impressed the most getting to this point it's got to be oscar piastri uh the guys in f3 champion f2 champion back-to-back years uh had to sit out last year anyone who's watched drive to survive will know what happened then when he <laughs> managed to get himself out of an alpine contract and into a mclaren 
which now doesn't maybe look like such a pretty move. But, you know, th- these are long term decisions, not based on just one set of testing. So he's the one uh, I think most people are eager to find out how, how good he is. And against Lando Norris, you know that he's going up against a very, very serious mm-hmm. benchmark. So if he's close to Norris, then we know that he's um, really one to watch for the future. Um, but yeah, Nick DeVries is, is another one. Uh, he's pretty old for a rookie. Of course, he's not entirely a rookie because he raced at the Italian Grand Prix mm-hmm. last year, standing in for Alex Albon when he had appendicitis. Uh, so he's he, he's a very experienced rookie uh, coming in uh, with experience in Formula E, uh, experience as a Formula One kind of test and reserve driver, simulator driver, uh, and of course, uh, F2 champion several years ago. So um, I... I, I like that he's getting a chance uh, to show what he can do. Um, I'm not sure what it says about Red Bull's young driver program that the Alpha Tauri seat, which traditionally has been given to Red Bull's up and coming talent, is now filled by a former Formula E Mercedes driver who's 28 years old. But you know, great to see uh, a guy who's clearly talented uh, given given a shot. And then of course Logan Sargent, I'm excited about because he's an American driver. We're ESPN. That's that, that's going to be fun. But um, yeah, we'll we'll have to wait and see how he gets on. I think he's got the the toughest job of of those three uh, permanent drivers coming in this year, just because the Williams is probably going to be towards the back of the grid. And as we've seen. Um, in previous years with Alex Albon, you know, he's no pushover. Nicholas Latifi, uh, you know, struggles to get close to him. So, uh, yeah, Logan Sargent has got to, um, yeah, make the most of, of what he can because if, say, there's unreliability early in the season and he gets a shot at points, you know, if he can get them early on, it will be such a big boost to his confidence. So, uh, fingers crossed for him too. Yeah, Lawrence stole all the answers, but um, <laughs> I, uh, uh, no, 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 it's all good. Um, it gives me less to say. Uh, but, um, I think on DeVries, I, I re- I'm so excited about him. I think that, you know, he, for ages, it seemed like, oh, DeVries is just another talented guy that didn't make Formula One. Um, and talking to Alpha Tari at the weekend, they were saying, obviously, you know, does it does it feel like you've got a rookie? And they said, well, not really. You know, he knows what he's doing. He had three Friday practices last uh, last season with three different teams, one of which was Williams, who he raced for in Monza. Um, and they were saying that, you know, and this sometimes comes across badly, I think, when it's written down, but they said he's always, he's already being quite bossy, quite mm. demanding with what he wants. And that actually is something that not a lot of drivers immediately do when they get into Formula One. They're quite timid. You know, they might not throw their weights around. And I think that DeVries has been around another series so much. He knows the type of car he likes. He knows how to extract the best from a car. And I think that that's a really encouraging sign for them because I think one thing with Yuki in the other car is that maybe, you know, maybe he's not always completely certain what he wants. You know, I think that it's going to be interesting, actually, that dynamic. So I think DeVries could very quickly become the kind of the lead driver there in terms of just consistency. So um, I'm really excited about him. Um, and yeah, I mean, people have talked about, oh, will Ricardo get a shot at Red Bull in the future? But if DeVries knocks it out of the park at Alpha Tower, you know, Max is a really big big fan of DeVries, you know, they, 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 yeah. they're good friends from all, by all accounts. So you could end up in a situation where Red Bull look at it and say, well, you know, we might as well just go completely Dutch for the foreseeable mm-hmm. future uh, and stick him up there. I'm getting way ahead of myself, but that, you know, Lawrence yeah. mentioned the driver program. I think DeVries is in a good spot. Um, and even if it, even if it's not Red Bull, I think he's going to, if, if he establishes himself this season, I think he'll be in F1 for a few years yet. So um, just a late bloomer. We love a late bloomer yeah. as well. You know, it's a great story. Nate's just oozing confidence. Every which way. Just about, just about everyone. Absolutely everyone. Throw, throw another name at me and I'll talk, I'll talk about them for 10 minutes. Why not? Wait, here you go. Here you go. Uh, the, the one which we've missed out. K- Katie mentioned him. Um, 
We don't know for certain that he's coming in to replace Lance Stroll, mm, Aston Martin, fair. but he almost certainly is because we yeah Drogovic. understand of Lance's uh, in, in injuries that may be there. So, Nate, tell us about Felipe Drogovic. What's he going to bring? Yeah, so he's the reigning Formula 2 champion. And really, we didn't think we'd get to see him in a race car anytime soon because obviously he didn't have a race seat. But we actually, um, a few of us went out earlier. We, we walked around Bahrain. We, we went to the souk here. And um, we met one of the Brazilian journalists who, you know, they absolutely adore their Brazilian drivers. You know, they they will, you know, for obvious reasons, the Brazilians are so passionate. And Drogovic is a name that is kind of, you've heard it more and more over the past few years. It's all, it's always difficult when Drogovic wins a seat. He won a season where it wasn't too short, too certain how strong the field was. That's always quite, is I always find it's quite harsh on a driver to say, well, he won Formula Two, but you know, the, the you know the field wasn't that strong because how, how how do you know that until a few years have gone by? Um, I think it's going to be a fascinating situation at Aston Martin. You know, if Drogovic comes in, does a really good job. Obviously, Lance is going to be coming back. He's missed preseason. He's going to be, you know, he's he's got some rehabilitation to do with his hand by the sounds of it. Um, and I'm I'm absolutely certain that he and the team will want him back in the car as quick as possible. But if Drogovic does well, I mean, you know, doing well against Fernando Alonso is relative as well. Like, you, it's difficult to measure that. But, you, you know, then you add in the fact that Stroll is the son of the owner. I think that that's really fascinating and potentially really, really kind of, uh, explosive combination at Aston Martin. Um, he's expecting a lot of Drogovic. You know, I think I think doing well against Fernando Alonso is going to be difficult. Now, I remember at McLaren a few years ago, Alonso obliterated Stoffel Van Dorn, who was you know a mm-hmm. former former Formula Two champion, was really highly rated, and Alonso just completely destroyed him. But I think Drogovic is coming into a situation where actually people aren't going to really make that comparison too much because you know he he's in the position he's in. He's a reserve driver. He's a rookie, so I think he might just about get away with it. But um. We will see, you know, in on, on Sunday. If that car really is quick, uh, Aston will be looking at it and they might end up being like, I wish we had Stroll in the car because obviously he might have been able to extract more out of it. But we'll see. Um, good lineup, actually, this year of kind of young drivers. The more we talk about it, young drivers and then Asterix plus Nick DeVries uh, in, in the rookie <laughs> sense. But um, yeah, it feels like we've got quite a lot of fresh new talent on the grid, which is always nice. Am I, I, am I right in, th- in also saying that this is the first time we have like every F2 champion on the grid like if the uh, like i want to say we have i want to say i read that and i'm just now chiming in and ruining the flow of the pod but i want to say i i read that earlier this week maybe since it's been renamed formula 2 um but i wouldn't be able to oh yeah you mean okay yeah but it sounds that if if yeah if Drogovic lines up, up that might well be right because yeah there'd be was Ru- russell was formula 2 wasn't he so was Charles. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Piastri, obviously, yeah. before uh, Drogovic. Yeah, uh, Piastri. Yeah, I think you're right. That's pretty cool. Good good day for Formula 2 fans. Yeah. <laughs> Nicely done, Dave. Well, everyone's been complaining that they're not getting their opportunity, and now every single yeah. one's got an opportunity if Drogovic hits the hits yeah. the track this week. No, yeah. but I, I do think it's interesting. Like, I, I put the cart before the horse by saying, you know, Drogovic is in for Lance Stroll. With that, though, what is the timeline here? Like, I know that they said they're going to give Lance every ample opportunity to get back into the car before the Bahrain Grand Prix. But if you're not a part of practices, if you haven't been through testing, I mean, like, what is a realistic timeline here for him to actually be able to perform well in that car? Well, we, we, yeah, we don't know the extent of injuries. So we're, we're, it's hard to know, like, what he's got to basically rehabilitate from. But, um, I think realistically, you know, if you're if you're coming in midway for a season, it's it's never easy. We saw last year Daniel Ricciardo missed testing because uh, he had COVID, or the, the final test he was in the first test missed the second test. We had two that year, and um, you know, I think for a while he kind of 
struggled because he had these fundamental issues with with how the car was handling. So it's a lot to be just thrown in with with, with zero experience in the car and 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 go straight into it. So um, yeah, and when Fernando Alonso is your teammate, that's even harder because there's no let up from the other side of the garage. So um, yeah, it will it will be a struggle. But then you don't really have any choice at that stage either. You know he's better the sooner he can get back in the car and he's able to do so and assuming he's got full movement in his wrist or his hand whatever's injured then uh he's gonna um obviously want to be in there and just learning from every every session and over time you know he'll he'll be able to get back up to where his natural level is so i think people listening to this might already know because i think thursday is is what i was told is when the team's aiming to to say bye so we'll, we'll see but yeah it it should be in the next kind of 24 48 hours from us recording you know what time it is? It's prediction best time. Part of the, best, part of the, best part of the pod and the season. And this is being tallied. The records are being kept ah. and compared throughout the entirety of the season, gentlemen. Who There's would like to go now, first? Basically. Receipts on my handy-dandy notepad. I'll jump in. Okay. I'll jump in straight off the bat. Uh, One, two, three. So I'm going to be bo- I'm going to be boring, and then I'm going to be very, very hype trainy. Oh, we know where this is going. You say Max to win ahead of Charles. And then, dum, dum, dum. I mean, you know where this is going, right? Fernando Alonso third. I really think. Yeah, 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 yeah. It didn't even, people listening would probably fast forwarding. Like I know he says Fernando. Don't even need to listen to this. Um, But yeah, I think, I mean, that would be a mega way to start the year. I know it's Max winning, but um, yeah, I think that would be fantastic. Um, I don't think Charles got it. I think Ferrari, you know, could win it. But who knows? Like Lawrence said, you know, it's difficult to predict individual races. So, um, yeah, Max, Charles, Alonso would be awesome to start the year. Lawrence, do you think that's fair? Or do you think that's shit? No, no, I think that's, uh, I think I'll go with fair, uh, fair over shit. Um, okay. yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's a good prediction. It, it would be a great race to watch. Um, my prediction is going to probably be a, a bit more. Dark. I'm, I'm wondering whether to actually, no, actually, I'm going to make it interesting. I'm going to say Sergio Perez wins the race. Something happens. Oh, to nice. Happen. Not sure what. And then uh, we have Lewis Hamilton and Charles Leclerc. Lewis and two. Really out there. I mean, Lewis. nothing about testing suggests that's going to be the result. Nothing about what we know about Max Verstappen and how good he is suggests that's going to be the result. But I was just thinking back to last year when, you know, Max had the issue, uh, had to retire the car, as did Checo yeah. that uh, year in, in, in Bahrain. So, yeah, wh- why not have like a bit of unreliability start of the season uh, to kick Old. things off? Bold give, predictions. Give, give Max, and, you know, a, a little bit of a, a a little bit of something to overcome uh, over the next few races as well. It'd be nice to see. I love it. Sure. I yeah, love I think, it. Okay. I think the season needs a few early DNFs for Max, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, that's yeah. not me. You know, saying I want the guy to crash, obviously, but you know, if, if he can hit some, if he can hit some shoes in terms of car stuff, then I think for the whole season or for all of F one, would be very, very grateful because <laughs> you know, a it would make it fun. You know, he's fighting back from a from a deficit. Um, but yeah, it might just help us with some of that hype, um, you know, long-term. Excellent. Excellent stuff. I love it. I can't believe that we finally have a race, uh, coming up this weekend. Thank you. As always, I do want to give a shout out and a big congratulations to Susie Wolf, who was just named the F1 Academy managing director. Um, obviously women being in the sport in very important roles is obviously something that she has worked really hard to do and to champion. And so I think that that was great news that came out this week that Susie Wolf is now the F1 Academy managing director. I imagine that's going to be big news on the grid. 
Yeah, it was. And we've we've kind of been keeping tabs on this since Austin last year, which is when you know the news kind of broke. We were one of the <clears throat> outlets that kind of got wind of that first. And uh, it was it was interesting at the time because obviously W Series at the time was struggling and you know people were wondering how it how it matched up. But I think F1's I think it's done a really good job in how it's brought it together. Um, you know, I spoke to people at Formula One and um I think some people were surprised there weren't a lot of F1 circuits on on their first calendar. There's only Austin is when they when they double up, but it came together quite late. And I think that finding gaps in those schedules was difficult. And obviously the obvious gap in Austin has been caused by the fact that W Series looks unlikely to to continue this year. So that was quite an easy step for them to make. Um, and yeah, you know, I think Stefano Domenicali has been very, very clear that, you know, the goal isn't to find a Formula One driver for 2024, a female form, Formula One driver. It's to it's to completely change, you know, the, the, the how that how that ladder looks and to mm-hmm. hopefully have one, you know, within five, 10 years. And I think that the... Susie being there, you know, she's going to come up with a long-term vision of how to do that. Obviously, she's, you know, she came as close as anybody has recently in terms of getting there. You know, she's had she had Friday practice sessions with Williams, so I think she she better than most people will kind of understand kind of some of those barriers that exist, not just at the Formula One level, but maybe lower down as well. So I think she's great as as you know in terms of knowing exactly what that looks like. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. But um, yeah, it's going to be something we talk about more and more. And I don't know the current status of W Series. We'll see whether that continues, but difficult to see how it does because a lot of Formula One's attention now is on this, um, which is difficult for W Series. There's some really great people that work there, but I think that as a business model, not sure how viable it was long-term. And this is so closely associated with F1 that it seems like it's got it's, it's got real legs going forward. Yeah, well said. Get some sleep. I know it's late over there. You guys have a big weekend. We can't wait to check in with you guys after the Bahrain Grand Prix. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, like this video, leave us a comment. Don't forget to subscribe to ESPN for more F1 content. And if you're listening, hit us with a five-star review. Nate Lawrence, thanks so much, guys. Cheers.